welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here, Sailor Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, SoundCloud. Well, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, Screw that. Stitcher, iTunes, Glue Guys, Almighty Baller Network, and NetsDaily.com. We're everywhere, Brian. Woo! How you I'm doing, fired Brian? up, dude. It's good. Great to see you. Sorry, I can turn this thing off. Oh, sorry. Great to see you, man. Bry guy. How was foggy London town? It was lovely. Um, Were you in Paris as well? Did I see that? We went to Paris a little bit, so the wife and I went away on a trip. We had to get away from the Nets. That's what we we, yeah. we felt we had, we needed a vacation from the Nets. They missed you. They missed you bad. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, I came back for the Knicks game, which yeah. really super worked out. Um, Bry guy. Don't get down yet. Don't get down. By the way, I made a Levert alert finally. Can we hear it? Do you yeah, want to hear it? it? Yeah, let's here, do it. Here's it. Here it goes. Ready? Oh, buddy. That's how it goes. Maybe a little long. It's long. I mean, Maybe I'm not gonna. I think long. I'm not gonna play. I think the way it's really often gonna is just you just play the first couple of seconds and then get to the oh my god. And yeah, if for something super special, then maybe we'll bust that out. Yeah, or really long. Yeah, when he I could see the just just people love I don't even know alert. if he needs to be super special. Just like 15 points on you know 35 <laughs> percent shooting special for this team <laughs> at this point. I mean, it's it's sad, but like. He hit like I think he hit two threes in a row, or maybe he hit one three and like a miss, but it was a good miss in mm. the Knicks game. And I was like, "Wow, people ready to pop up? They've got something. They've got yeah. something, Bry. Do they? I don't know. Do I mean, okay. Uh, so on the pod today, we'll uh, we'll talk a little Knicks Nets. Mm. We have news around the league, which we'll talk about Carmelo Anthony because it's sort of it's perfect. Last night's yeah. game is the perfect illustration of why Carmelo should not be on that team anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope to have a special guest and hopefully calls in. Yeah. And if we'll not, see we can cut it up, but it's Ian Eagle. Our friend Ian Eagle. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say it. No, yeah. I guess you could say it. Yeah. yeah. Because if, I mean, in the event he doesn't, call, doesn't in. call in. Well, we'll leave it in if he doesn't call in. We'll just be like, oh, no. Yeah. It doesn't happen. But Ian Eagle is going to call in. And we're going to yeah. talk to him about many things. Just gossip. Yeah. We're just going to gossip. Syracuse. Yeah. We went to Syracuse. We're just going to well, all the Syracuse gossip. Best dining halls. Yeah. That's about it. That's the only thing anyone wants to talk about. Yeah. Who's dating who in Cuse? Right now, that's what I want to know. <laughs> just gossip. That's what I'm saying. Just, just gossip. Yeah. Straight gossip. Um, Brian, yep. the Nets on a hot streak. Yeah, I don't know. What do you What do you attribute it to? This is uh, you know. What do you attribute their losing streak to? We've got some fourth Lack quarter talent. We've got some fourth quarter woes. We've moved our third quarter woes to the fourth quarter. We've we've just well, like delayed I've, them a little bit. I've seen I don't know headlines or but I've seen you know people mention like the Nets blow at eleven point first quarter lead and it's like well. Sure. I mean, that's factually correct, but it's also like that's not how basketball works. Right. And that but that Knicks game was mm. brutal. I'm mm-hmm. so, it was so freaking brutal. It was one uh, Jeff Hornacek probably like did the smartest thing he could have done his entire tenure. Of the Knicks is just sitting mellow. Yeah. Mellow is look. I don't know what your take is, but he looks horrible. Checked out. He's not like involved at all in wanting to be a part of this team anymore sure sure i mean you mean despite his public comments about wanting to play in new york forever you think such a liar yeah (laughs) no maybe no it's you know he's playing the pr battle and he's winning but he's he's not happy you can tell he's okay so this situation with mellow and i I would get there i wanted to get to this in news around the league but i'll put it in in now yeah is um he says that of all these reported stories sources say he's not even he hasn't even spoken to phil so he could not be possibly be talking about this. Either he's a liar mm-hmm. or he's not handling this well. Because if you if you want to handle the situation well, you would actually talk to Phil Jackson and say something. Do you think it's possible that he's You're just, a baby just a baby boy? boy? You don't know any better. I think that's the only solution <laughs> to this si- situation. Um, what do I attribute the Nets losing streak to? <laughs> oh, okay, just What's fourth quarter woes. Just quarterly woes. Quarterly woes. Well, they don't have a point guard. And it really hurts your team when you turn. I think they had 21 turnovers last night. Yeah, I love myself some Isaiah Whitehead. This is what I'm going to gear up to ask Ian Eagle about this this point guard situation. Yeah, is it worth it to to like try to eke out some games here at the end yes. of the, at the end of the season? Absolutely. Maybe move Jeremy Lin when he when he does come back back to a sort of more natural combo guard position that he enjoyed a lot of success in, but it's for some reason there's no conversation about whether he could still jump into that role when he gets back. I don't know. I don't know. Are these things that we can talk about? 
With, with that, the fact that Jeremy Lin shouldn't be starting, yeah. No, he should be starting. Mike, Michael. <laughs> he's great. He's the best. He's just hurt. And it's like, how long do we do we uh, hold that spot open with? I mean, Whitehead's been, you know, interesting, serviceable. Um, he plays more and more hard nosed. He's like he's he's of the Trevor Booker school of of um, tenacious D. Well, and Isaiah shows uh, Whitehead shows like some signs of next level basketball. Like there's a couple of passes last night. There was one especially on the break. I forget who he threw the ball to. I think it was I think it was Booker who it was like second quarter. He was going down on a fast break. He had one where he was on a two on one and he threw the ball to the third guy, which Levert trailing. He makes some pretty nice passes, but like, okay, so the question is, uh, do they make an acquisition mm-hmm. to get better this season? What would that do? I mean, I think I think they have to, to be honest, because because what what's happening now is and what where this team is going. I'm not saying like mortgage the future. That's not no, but no, you need to get some butts and seats. If Karis Levert is what people are like interested in right now this the ceiling the the bar is set pretty low for yeah. what people can be interested in he's a this. fine player he's i love certainly... don't get me wrong that's not a slight against Karis. Love, love what he's doing out there but like i'm saying there's him. not a whole lot of focus uh or not a whole lot of focus on it from the fans it's interesting that the best lineup they have is the young guys like all young dudes lineup with brooke yeah I mean, that do you, and do you like the Dinwiddie combination of I that? I can't stand Spencer Dinwiddie. I can't stand <laughs> you know, him anymore. I can't I, I, it. He's got to get out. Of, I really can't. And like, what about Patrick, the Quincy AC version of that? Any I love interested? Qu- yeah. uh, Quincy AC's just look is fantastic. Put him to get him and Booker together. Oh my god, and, yeah. that should be the that should be the point guard and shooting yeah. guard of this team. Yeah, fantastic. Those two guys. I mean, we might as well just put Booker at point guard at this point. But um, I can't stand Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't want this audition that he's on anymore. He may have some talent. He's got height, but like, to me, he's of this class of just like dudes I don't want to see on basketball court anymore. Of that, who else is in that class? Randy Foy, Randy. Luis Scola, <laughs> Vasquez. If we ever were to come back, Vasquez <laughs> on any team, on any team. Yeah. I, I've had enough of him. Um, Justin Hamilton is like sort of he is, he is floating in that lo- location. Sort of yeah, soon, a tenuous grasp here. Um, I mean, basically half this team, but no, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how do you, what's your feelings about Joe Harris at the moment? Cause a- would angry. Li- would like that shot to fall a little bit more, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um. But it's all it's all okay. It's all good, baby. Um. What do they need? A, it. I actually do think this team. So what's exciting with the mellow trade possibilities is that the Nets could be involved in some some in acquiring Carmelo Anthony. No, they could be involved in. Basically, any trade that needs to be made, especially with the Clippers, would need to involve a third team. I mean, what do you think of Dion Waiters? And I'm not saying as a trade prospect; I'm just saying as a human, as an individual. I think the Nets did the exact right thing. We, having played against him. Miami for a couple times last, <laughs> I know. last time we talked, <laughs> he is really is uh, an interesting specimen. Very odd, odd game, and I don't like the way that he seems to go like to kind of become comatose after he hits a big shot and he just kind of looks off into the crowd you know what i mean it's like he's having a transcendent experience when he was hitting his big shots he just kind of like looks only slightly menacingly but like mostly like he's just kind of studying the crowd as if he's like gonna gonna fight them almost you know i've seen that look actually in person um (laughs) when when we were at syracuse he was i think he was there and he had one big game he just had one big game as a freshman Mm-hmm. And he walked around campus looking like that the next yeah. day. I remember seeing him. <laughs> just just really that look. Long strides. Yeah. And, yeah. Just looking around, like sort of like the tilted up chin. Yeah. Tilted just up looking chin. around. With as his, if like arms like his. regal. The gate is, yeah, a little regal. It's a little, but it's also a little bit like how Stone Cold Steve Austin would come down the <laughs> ramp, you know? <laughs> That's a compliment. Though, yeah. I think. No, I, mean, I wish I still had my Stone what do Cold I th- drop. Do I just, what do I think of him as a human or as a player to be on um, this team in the future? The, yeah. I mean, no, neither. I mean, we apparently took a long look at him and uh and we decided not I, to after and i kind of think obviously these players read they they read every story about themselves and i mm, i guarantee into that huh? i guarantee that because the nets made it pretty clear through a couple of national reporters that like they're not going to sign waiters because they don't want him he doesn't fit into the S- culture spolster is a master of uh of whiteboard material yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think these players they see that they see those stories and like that would that would make any human mad, right? 
Like not me, honestly. That wouldn't bother it, me. It, no, no, <laughs> no. no. It, like I didn't like him as a person. No, that would bother me. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's like there's no like comparable to it. It's not like I don't know what field of business could you possibly be in that is comparable to like the fact that there's thirty. There's only thirty places to work. And it's very public mm. about why you're not working at the other 29. Yeah. You know? Um, but what I want Dion Waiters on this team right now, probably. How is it possible that I still hate the Miami Heat, even though they're like, they're crummy? Yeah. They're playing well now ish, but something about that team, it's just always got this, it's just too much. Where they live is too nice. That's it. That's it. Where they live is too nice, and the fans are still of that sense. If they still feel like, not fake, but they they don't feel like they're embedded within basketball culture, and they've kind of had like too good of a run. When have the Heat been like the the Cubs type fan? They've never, never. like they've just been like, okay, we're gonna have like you're gonna get Shaq and Wade, like here you go, and then Wade's gonna stay, and he's not gonna do that great, but he's gonna do okay, and then we're gonna give you LeBron. There hasn't been like years of toil no. and just awfulness. Remember, there's a good Espionation article. I forget what the Heat's Espionation board is, but um. They had a good one where they equated uh, the Miami Heat fan to uh, when Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park is talking to um, John Hammond. About <laughs> I already like this already. I don't know where it's going <laughs> to go, but I love it. About, uh, what's the quote? Uh, it's like, <clears throat> you... Uh, is this like, like one of the big scenes where they're explaining what Jurassic Park is? Yeah, they're in the like conference hall or whatever, and he right. says to John Hammond, like, you didn't, uh, you didn't have the... You stood on the like shoulders of geniuses. Yes. And, okay. <laughs> and uh, yada yada. I forget what it was a bit like. You, but you didn't acquire the discipline to appreciate what you had, or something like that. Right. Es- yeah. Essentially, uh, you're taking the good science has been made and right. profiting off. And of so it. specifically, that was to like when they booed at the end of uh, their fourth consecutive finals when they lost against San Antonio, and they like it was the last night of them seeing LeBron James and and Chris Bosh and all them together and they they kind of booed, <laughs> they booed that was a, it was in response to that which is um I thought it was this dude I wish I had the quote locked in better but I think they like this LeBron LeBron the per, uh, the sort of like public sentiment around LeBron has changed so many times and changed around the, his team so many times that like I think people forget that like he was, he never really connected. I guess I don't think with the Miami fan base in the way that you know he. I guess he should in Cleveland, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Are do you think Miami fans? This would be good to ask. Like an SB, the SB Nation Heat blog, are they mad at LeBron? Have we seen that? I don't think they're mad at LeBron anymore, right? At this, would you be? No, they had no they had no claim to LeBron. Like, could they? If you were mad about that, then you need to check your privilege. Sure, <clears throat> as they say. Um, quick Nets things. What is? What have you most liked about Karis LeVert's game? I just want to I want to get some opinion out here. <laughs> Interesting. Um, well, I like a guy that's six seven that that has an. It's, I think the Anthony Pen, uh, Anthony. God. Hardaway, <laughs> the Penny Hardaway, yeah. Penny Hardaway. <laughs> God, I got it all mixed up. Um, that that uh, comparison well, is, name, is yeah. pretty sweet. That I mean, that's generous. But no, I mean, like, I mean, obviously, he's not, he's not in Penny's league yet. Uh, yeah. But but the game is similar. It's a version of that. It's like a oversized, sort not quite a point forward. It's still like, but like a a, a like crafty, creative, larger shooting guard. Basically, it's kind of an, at a unique position. He's got athleticism, but it's not. He's not overwhelming yeah. craftiness, and he does have some shooting. Um, he fills up the stat sheet, uh, which is nice. I mean, I so like if you're gonna judge Sean Marks's draft already, I would have to think it's, you know, it's kind of early to say Levert's been a success, but I think overall you'd have to say it's a success. And the Nets do have a first round pick this year. Um, you know, and this is an interesting draft because there's so many freshmen. Uh, obviously, the really good ones that they have no shot at getting, but there's so many freshmen that are going to go later. That and there's a couple international guys that you would think the Nets would target. You know what I'm doing? I'm already watching the guys in high school now for when we do have the pick. <laughs> I got my eye on Zion Williamson. Have you seen this kid? Oh, the dunk. Yeah, the kid well, who just, just had that n- nasty dunk. His game is hilarious. It's basically like he's like a fatter Lance Stevenson. Basically, is what it, it appears. <laughs> Love that already. <laughs> And but with, with actual like athletic ability, like you can jump. But as far as entertainment wise, nothing beats 
an overweight guy with with incredible bunnies. Oh, absolutely, that's the best. That's well, I mean, it's why that's why everyone took a chance on Anthony Bennett for as long as they did. That's the whole deal. Mike, have I told you about Audible.com? I think you have, but please remind me. So this is a uh, this is our, our actual today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Wow, where you can get a free audiobook download and thirty day free trial at uh, audibletrial.com backslash almighty. You got to put that in Ooh. into the URL and uh, you're going to get a bunch of stuff over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, your Android, Kindle, MP3 player, anything you like. Uh, I mean, I do it mostly for, for nonfiction, for basketball stuff, just because Stop it. that's what I like. You don't do that. I, I'm telling you, I've been talking about Terry Pluto's books for- I know you've been talking about that, but there's no way you've read anything more than two basketball books in your life. Well, you're wrong. Um, I have, or you can my listen house, to them on Audible. dot com. Yeah. You should absolutely do that. So, for backslash you guys, you know what you got to do. You go to the audibletrial. dot com backslash Almighty. Uh, the promo codes, the thirty day free trial, all that good stuff. I so, mean, this is a natural, you know, podcast. You listen to us. Yeah, you like to listen to things already. You're. We've been called the um, Audible of podcasts. <laughs> trying to think of what's what's a bad writer. I don't a know. bad writer, um, Danielle Patterson? Steele. Yeah, Pitt, yeah, yeah. Danielle Steele. What does she do? It's like like romance novels. Oh, yeah. Great name. Is that a real name? Can't be right. Good question. I don't know. I mean, a lot um, of these people are real people, and they have like you know, a, like fifteen people that write for them. So Audible dot com is where you know I could listen to books. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Nice one, Mike. Anyways, um, so here's our interview with Ian Eagle. Am I right? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you've probably heard his voice and seen his face and heard him describe a game hundreds, if not thousands oh, of times. Thousands of times for me. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Um, he is the voice of the Nets. Uh, he is Ian Eagle of Yes Network. Ian, thank you for joining us. You got it, Mike. Brian, nice to talk to you guys. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess, Ian, you, you may or may not know this, but you've got a bit of a reputation around the Internet, probably. For for knowing a th- <laughs> for for knowing for knowing a thing or two uh, behind the scenes, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, you know just try to poke around and see you know trade le- deadlines coming up. Maybe maybe I know something that we don't know. That's all I'm saying. You know, I, I would actually be remiss if I didn't mention if I had like a normal name, it would probably be Brian Egan <laughs> because. <laughs> Iron Eagle is very tough for people to say or understand yeah. or comprehend. So that might be my alias it now is kind in of hotel version. rooms. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, if you want to check out the Nets on the road, just ask for Brian yeah. Egan's room, and <laughs> you'll probably get me. Let's just swap. I'm fine with that. That's fine. Yeah, I think your name's pretty desirable. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I mean, the bird's a great nickname. The what? bird's a great nickname. Eagle's fantastic. Ian is, <laughs> all, you know, it's just it all goes together. Starts with two vowels. Um, you know. It, my last name is Smeltz, which was tough, uh, you know, growing up. Smeltz is sort of a... It's for the smelling thing. For the smelling thing. Yeah, and you you're know, also yeah. smelling. You're a smelling guy. Yeah, I'm yeah, smelling. I, I, uh, I was checking in for a flight many years ago after a net game, a red-eye flight in Salt Lake City. And I've gotten many different combinations of my name from people. It's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. So checking in, and uh, the woman at the counter says, "Okay, so Eon Iagle." <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the no, I am. Real, the yeah, I said, really, really. I said, is, "Is that is that what we're going with?" She goes. <laughs> Iagle. Yeah, yeah. She she just could not grasp the fact that it was our national bird, so she completely <laughs> overanalyzed it. I get about a fifty percent eggin, eggin rate. That's what I get. Eggin's good. Yeah, I <laughs> get a, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm like I'm like twenty eight percent at yeah. best. <laughs> yeah. Well, clever diversion, Ian. But still, <laughs> still. That was not my ploy. Well, let no, me no, first say no, no. that was not that was not my <laughs> desire here. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, is, is there any rumblings about any kind of activity at all going into this deadline here? Anything you know? Any, it's fine if you don't. That's fine. You can also opt right out of that classroom. That's totally fine. Uh, I think everything is on the table, truly. When yeah. Sean Marks took over this job, uh, my general sense was uh, he was going to evaluate talent. He was going to assess what he had. And obviously, if he feels that he can improve this roster... He's going to make moves. What he does have working to his advantage is a lot of cap room and the mm-hmm. ability to take on somebody else's mistake mm-hmm. if, indeed, it 
is complemented with a draft pick or something that's going to help the Nets down the road. So looking at the roster as it's currently constituted, I would say there are very few untouchables. Uh, Karis LeVert, certainly, uh, they want to see him grow. That's their draft pick. That was their hard work and their scouting that determined he was worthwhile to pick in the first round despite his injury concerns as the 20th pick overall. Mm. Isaiah Whitehead, another one of their draft picks. You build your reputation Mm -hmm. in the draft as a talent evaluator, as a general manager, as director of player personnel. Uh, That's where, for the rest of time, you can look back on various front office drafts and make an assessment on the kind of job that they did. So starting with the bare bones, that's how the opinions will be formed about Sean Marks and and the job that he's doing. With that said, uh, I think those two picks, they want to see how how those guys develop. Jeremy Lin is obviously in it for the long haul. Uh, They'd love to see him healthy. That's probably been the biggest issue on this team, the fact that the one position where they could not deal with an injury yeah. happened, and it happened in the biggest way possible. Right, and that's After what that, yeah. I, I think I think everybody's available if Sean Marks believes, and Trajan Langdon, the assistant GM, that for the future of this franchise, they will have a chance to get better and to accumulate assets. That's the mindset right now. Right, and to your point, uh, so we were kind of batting around earlier, like, is it even are they entertaining offers at the point guard position like while Jeremy's sort of in this injury limbo kind of is that is that even in play are we are we totally carte blanche with that kind of thing oh i, I think it's absolutely in play yeah. uh, i don't i don't believe that they're locked into anything I, I i think they they love jeremy's game they love the combination of jeremy lynn and kenny atkinson together and Lynn running that offense, they just have not been able to see it on a consistent basis. The way this team started at 4-5, and five, I think that's what they envisioned. They envisioned sneaking up on some people. They envisioned yeah. surprising some people around the NBA with hard, uh, spirited play, high effort, uh, ball movement, shooting threes, and uh, a defensive mentality that it was certainly on on the docket, that just hasn't come into play. Since that that start, the injury to Lynn, the fact that they had no depth at the point guard position and they had to push Whitehead along, uh, sign Yogi Ferrell, make a decision there, sign Spencer Dinwiddie, sign him for the rest of the year, and piecemeal it together, that was not part of the vision. And unfortunately, these things happen in this league, and it happened at the one spot that they just didn't have a whole lot of uh, real depth. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is so now, you know, we just saw the Knicks. We saw Carmelo. He sat the entire fourth quarter. The Knicks say that was because uh, he, he was tired. Um, we, you know, that could be the case, but um, there's a lot going wrong there. But what's interesting is that each of the teams that he's connected to possibly going, especially the Celtics, they really don't need a Carmelo Anthony. What they could use is uh, a big man who can rebound. And right. not that Brooke is a great rebounder, but but Brooke is obviously the biggest asset on this team. He's the most interesting person if you're going to, uh, I guess, completely alter what you're trying to create there. He's the guy you look at, especially for Boston. And it's an interesting trade because obviously if, if the Nets get rid of Brooke Lopez in some way and he ends up just to say in Boston, it's sort of uh, helping them in multiple ways because it's guaranteeing the first pick for them. Well, lottery ball. Um, you know, yeah, is, is, mean, do you the think... other part of the equation is, though, what would be coming back. And right. if indeed Brooke Lopez was a candidate for the Boston Celtics, now we're getting into some real nitty-gritty stuff with these trade rumors because you're talking about the pick that the Nets would own if not for the deal that was done that was not lottery protected. So uh, it's it's an interesting concept. Uh, I think Brooke would help a lot of teams, but uh, I think you also know this. They're not giving them away. They're, they're no. just not going to make a deal for the sake of making a deal uh, to say that they're they're trying to make moves and uh, they they got to change things up. Brooke Lopez is one of their major assets right now, and unless somebody is willing to give up what I think the Nets believe they would have to get in return, which is a lottery pick, Lopez 
could be a part of this next year as they try to form this roster. And do you think that is the value that would be that would I'm not that you have um, a source in this or maybe you do, but I'm just saying, do you think that the Nets would need top 15 pick um, something like that? That's the value that they would need from Brooke, at least that essentially. That would make sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think a future first round pick is probably something that they desire as well because they don't have a pick in the 2018 draft, so they want to make sure that they take care of that, and they're not scrambling a year from now trying to figure out a way to get into the first round. So, uh, I know the asking price is going to be legitimately high because Brooke does have value. You look around the league; there aren't that many guys that can do what he does. Uh, the deal that he signed uh, at the time was three years, $63 million. In this day and age in the NBA, uh, that's a manageable contract for somebody, and it would be uh, going into the final year of that deal. So uh, I think that's where the Nets are probably sniffing around, and I don't believe that they're going to get desperate and feel the need to to dump him. Uh, that That's not my sense of, of the circumstances right now. And he's sort of the perfect, um, not superstar, but the perfect best player to be on a bad team because Brooks' attitude in general seems, at least from afar, from watching him on TV, from seeing him in interviews, is that he's not uh, a malcontent, of course. He's, no. he's he's very much actually wants to be here. He's always wanted to be here. He, he's been rumored to have been traded multiple times, uh, nearly with the Dwight Howard thing. He was almost gone. And yep. he still wants to be here. He's the kind of the perfect player to be on the worst team in the league if your team's going to try to get better at some point. Yeah, he's handled everything incredibly well, all the rumors. And I think it's the most comfortable he's ever been as far as interacting with his teammates, uh, dealing with the coaching staff. He's always been coachable. Don't get me wrong. I just think he feels at home. It's nine years with this franchise was in Jersey, made the move to Brooklyn, was part of the revamp, and dealt with injuries. That was a major foot injury to the point where we just didn't know if he was ever going to be the same guy. Mm-hmm. And Lopez has proven his worth as a player. The questions with Brooke will simply be, can the Nets get to a point where they surround him with enough talent and he doesn't have to be the guy? I think that's probably in the plans of the front office uh, to get to the point where Brooke is not your first option and may not even be your second option. What? Um, so, you know, we before the, the with the Billy King Lionel Hollins era or the Billy King era in general and now to Marks and Atkinson, you're around the team a lot. Just like what are the few couple big differences that you've seen just in general with how the organization is run? Um, under the new regime, just maybe in terms of health care or just it, just in general, it seems like I think it was I think it was Wojnarowski who said he was on a pod talking about how there's actual like some buzz in the league about Brooklyn, about how, wow, they're doing things maybe the right way now. Maybe we're before they weren't, I guess. Yeah. And you know, I don't travel with with all the teams. I only travel with the Nets, so that's all I know. I can't compare it to what the Spurs do or what the Lakers do or what the Grizzlies do. I can only compare it to what I've seen in the past. Uh, I just think there is a a different culture now. Uh, There's a sense that they're trying to maximize their time. They're trying to be efficient. They're trying to put the players in a position to succeed. And you say, well, wouldn't every team do that? Uh, Sometimes that's not the priority for teams. It's based on what the GM or what the owner believes is best and not always asking the players for their input. How does this work? Even as as what might be considered minute, but how you travel, uh, your days off. Uh, Do you travel after a game, even though you may have a day off in the city coming up? Usually in the NBA, it was, hey, just get out of Dodge. Play your game, get out, no matter what time it is. Uh, The Nets have changed that. They've adjusted that. They've asked the players for their opinions on Mm -hmm. how their bodies best recover. Uh, I just hadn't seen that happening. And that's not uh, saying that uh, the previous regime wasn't concerned with it. It just wasn't part of the culture. That's not how things work. Now it is. Sean Marks comes from a place where they... Uh, valued the opinions of their players. Uh, there was a give and take. There was a by play. 
and I've seen that carry over now with the Nets. Uh, this is a very likable team. This is a good group of guys. I think they've placed a high value on character. Mm-hmm. And look, as we know, that's all well and good. Most fans would say, I don't care what the players do in their free time. I don't care how they treat their friends. I don't care about any of that. I just want wins. Mm-hmm. I think the Nets want the best of both worlds right now, which yeah. is trying to find good people, good players, and trying to create a culture where guys want to be a part of it. And that was not necessarily the case in in previous regimes. So, and we're at this point now, and it seems like, I think if Karis LeVert played 48 minutes a game, Nets fans would be happy just because they just <laughs> want to see him so much. Um, yeah. What have you seen out of him in terms of, what, who does he compare to in the league? We were talking about, I mean, this is like, a this is not even the ceiling, this is like, mounds and mounds above him but like a penny hardaway type just like a a tall ball handler who can do a bunch of little things all over the floor but what do you see out of him you know i see a catalyst more than anything else Uh, i i don't know if you can categorize him as one specific type of player he can handle the ball he can get inside and finish around the rim i think his perimeter ability is farther along than I anticipated it would be. I did a bunch of his games in college. Uh, let's say I did five over the course of his years at Michigan. I was impressed with his wingspan, which is 6'10". He's really long. Yeah. I, I think the sense was that it was going to take more time for him to look comfortable and NBA ready. Three surgeries on his foot over a 22-month period. Mm. So when you're trying to evaluate a player, you're you're taking it all with a grain of salt because you just didn't believe the explosion would be there. But the variety in his game and the way he improved at Michigan. Now, this was a guy that initially was going to go to Ohio University, if memory serves. He was recruited by John Gross, and Gross got the Illinois job, and he reopened his recruiting process, and Michigan and John Beeline jumped in and saw some upside. But it wasn't there right away. There was uh, this uh, improvement year to year that you look for in polished players. Uh, He was not a finished product. He was not a freshman phenom. Uh, There was development there, and the Nets saw something. Sean Marks saw something. Uh, The skill set is highly versatile, and I think the upside is is through the roof. They they potentially got a steal at 20. And as we mentioned earlier in our conversation, that's how Sean Marks and Trajan Langdon and their scouting department will be judged. They don't have the uh, same kind of luxury that other teams that are successful in the NBA may have. They don't have a margin of error. Uh, their draft picks, they, they've got to hit doubles, and they've got to hit triples. And they may need to hit a home run or two to get this team to the point where they're relevant and they're competitive again. Well, and it was like, I remember when the Pacers, for years and years under Larry Bird, they would only try to hit singles and doubles. Um, and I think we're thinking like a, a pick like Tyler Hansborough, players like that. And then right. they reached and got Paul George, a guy who was at Fresno State, who not many people knew about, who, again, obviously then turned into something big and i do think this team really they have to walk a really fine line where they can't just go for for um projects they can't go for what's the guy the toronto drafted who is the two years away from being two years away the so, uh, cabocolo yeah, or yeah yeah caboclo yeah they they can't really do that i mean because he wasn't he like supposed to be like uh the greek freak but like even even raw uh coming over but they have to they have to. Karis Levert has to work out. Whitehead's looking like he, he potentially is a, at least a, a decent NBA player. Um, oh, yeah, he, he's an NBA player. Yeah. that's a second round pick. And as we know, just look through the draft right now. And I know it's early mm-hmm. to start making these proclamations. Uh, there have been a lot of misses yeah. in this 2016 draft already. Uh, the fact that Whitehead has gotten opportunities more so than than most rookies has certainly given him an edge in the competition. But you can tell. I'm not sure what he is yet. I don't know if he's a one. I don't think he's a two. He's somewhere in the middle. He just might be a combo guard and a guy that you can play 
uh, based on combinations that you put on the floor. But he can play in this league. That's been proven already. He brings a toughness. And this is a guy that they were seeking out. They picked him at 42. They made sure that they got that pick because they wanted him specifically. And that's a credit, once again, to the front office for recognizing talent and now trying to develop that talent. Yeah, I mean, at, at like just in today, I, I might take Isaiah Whitehead over like a Buddy Heald, for example. I mean, just for consistency's sake alone. And especially for what this team needs. I mean, Buddy Heald would be interesting, but like, yeah. I mean, Whitehead's been, you know, again, as we look around the league at all the rookies, he's a top 10 rookie. And if you're picking at 42 and you're getting a top 10 rookie at this point, yeah. that's a win already. So, um, you're picking at 20 and you're getting a top 10 rookie. So you're talking about two rookies. Yeah. Uh, the value that we see already, uh, look, they, they understand how this has to be done. Yeah. And because of that, I, I'm not saying that other teams uh, don't value these picks. Of course they do. Uh, this team has to value them even more. Uh, they, they just they can't miss. It's it's that simple. So we'll be picking somewhere uh, between twenty and twenty five. Somewhere is that correct? Yeah, that makes sense. Anyone anyone on the draft board catch your eye, Ian, in in that area? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're you're way too early. I'm, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just delving into college basketball myself, having done uh, UCLA Arizona a couple of weeks ago. I had Purdue Wisconsin. What do you think I of had... what do you think of Lonzo Ball? You saw him. In per, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with him. You talk and about his, Lonzo Ball all the time, in, and his entire. Obviously, the Nets aren't going to get him, but um, what, what what did you think of him? And is he comparable to really anyone who's who's played recently ever? I mean, he's, yeah, impressed. Yeah, I watched him practice the day before the game. They lost that game to Arizona. They've actually had some speed bumps along the way since that game. I think Arizona put together a blueprint for some other teams to follow to play UCLA. Uh, the Bruins have been struggling defensively. What Ball brings is this multi-dimensional talent. He's got Jason Kidd-like features in that he can get up and down the floor and he'll take chances on passes that other guys won't take, but he doesn't see that as a chance. He doesn't see that as a risk. He's also got the length of Penny Hardaway. You mentioned him earlier in regards to Karis LeVert. He's got a very similar body type, and I think he's still going to fill out in his upper body, but you could tell in his shoulders that he's pretty broad. And four or five years into the league, when he gets to a point where you've got a strength and conditioning staff that can really dig in on him, I think he's going to be strong. The jump shot, which is completely unorthodox, is very Kevin Martin-like. It works for him. We asked Steve Alford, who was one of the great jump shooters in college basketball history, about the jump shot. Uh, did he think about tinkering with it? He said, what, are you crazy? It goes in. Yeah. Uh, we're not tinkering with that. Yeah. It, it works. It works for him. Uh, so impressed by him, impressed with his end-to-end speed, and everything that I've learned in talking to people that are close to the program, that work with them every day, say that he is a tireless worker, that he wants to be great, that he's competitive. I don't think he'll be the top pick. I think he'll be a top three or four pick in this draft. Do you um, – so I wanted to ask you this question later, but I'll ask you it now. This is a personal question, Ian, so get ready for this one. <laughs> okay, you've covered a lot of big events, and you're you know all over the map. Um, in terms of if I gave you these four events and you could only pick one to do, the Super Bowl – I don't know if you're a golf guy, but the Masters is, you know, uh, sort of 18th hole, sort of a big deal. Uh, the college basketball final or game seven of an NBA final. What What's the dream scenario there? Well, let me say, I've, I've worked all those events in some capacity. Last year, I, I worked the Super Bowl for CBS. I was part of their pregame coverage, postgame coverage as well. So uh, I was there in in the Bay Area and got to experience it, but didn't get to call the game. That would be a dream of mine to one day call a Super Bowl. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. NBA Finals, I had uh, the great fortune to call a number of finals for the World Feed. So I don't know if you guys vacation at all in uh, parts of Indonesia, but you could have seen the game. <laughs> maybe maybe I will. I'm, if you do it again, if you do the finals oh, again, I'll, I'll fly <laughs> out to Indonesia just to hear you. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm huge in Indonesia. <laughs> I've literally. heard that. I'm, I've heard that. Right. I'm just statues I'm just to you. Bigger, You're like Marbury out there. 
I'm bigger than those people, too. I mean, I just physically, I'm, I'm huge. So the NBA Finals, uh, I've had the opportunity to do it. Uh, NCAA Finals, I had a chance to do it as well. Again, the World Feed, I did the Butler-Duke game, which was one of the great championship games in NCAA history in Indianapolis, uh, nearly the, the greatest upset maybe in sports history. Uh, so that was a thrill. And I've done the Masters. I did five years for CBS, for uh, CBSSports.com, and for DirecTV, and for PGA. I had never been to a golf tournament in my life. I'm not... Uh, I'm not blowing this thing out of proportion. I had never attended a golf tournament until I went to the Masters and worked it. So wow. that's a pretty good way to to start things off. Yeah, but but if you could choose one, is there just the one? Is that the Super Bowl on? You know, doing the yeah, I would I would say the Super Bowl. Yeah, if if that opportunity ever presented itself, that that would be a fulfillment of of a fantasy and a dream as a kid, no when, doubt. When you do the world. World feed is it? Do you do it differently? Or you just do the same thing. Well, I did it in Mandarin, which many people <laughs> don't know about. Sure, sure. No, no, it's, it, it's, uh, it's the same approach. I, it's funny you mention that because I had done it a few years, and then there was a year they didn't do it, and then I came back and did it again. The year that Michael Jordan went up against the Jazz and the push off with Brian Russell, mm. uh, classic final. They won it in six games in Salt Lake City. And the producer that year, the first game, said, hey, uh, we want you to be a little bit more instructional mm -hmm. in your approach. When they pass the ball in the paint, explain what the paint is. And I, I thought to myself, really? Are, are you sure? He goes, yeah, 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 that, that's what we want. Yeah. So we did that for the first game, and it felt very odd. Yeah. And after the first game, he came back and said, yeah, 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 scrap that, scrap that. The people didn't like that at all. <laughs> so that, that was the end of that. That was the only game that yeah. I can remember in my career where I was told uh, to, to basically treat it as if I was a nursery school teacher. Right. Yeah. Um, so obviously we have the Super Bowl coming up, and you're plugged into the NFL just as well. Uh, just general overall, how do you think the game's going to play out? You, know, you don't tell me who's, who do you think is going to win, but just in general, who do you, how do you think it will play out, obviously? Yeah, I've been blown away by Atlanta, what the Falcons have done yeah, so second half of the season. Uh, yeah. What they've done in the playoffs, they've been a juggernaut on offense. Kyle Shanahan has has his finger on the pulse. He and Matt Ryan are clicking. Uh, I thought Thomas Dimitrov did a fantastic job of surrounding Julio Jones with the right pieces. They finally had the right mix. If you remember last year, they got off to a an incredible start where we thought this Dan Quinn hiring was was uh, a stroke of genius, and they sputtered. And there was a little bit of that playing out again, but the narrative changed. Uh, they handled their business. They went into the postseason, and uh, I'm just blown away by their team speed. With all of that said, I've seen the Patriots nine times this year in person between TV, radio, regular season, playoffs. I've seen a lot of the Patriots. And I know with two weeks what they bring to the field, which is a boatload of experience, an immense amount of confidence, and a wherewithal with that quarterback and with a three-headed running attack. It's hard for me to pick against the Patriots. I'm familiar with how they do what they do. And I would say this is a tall order for Atlanta. Uh, this is not a defensive game, although it may come down to defense. Uh, I think to beat the Patriots, you're going to have to go out and score 30 points. I don't know if the Falcons are putting up 30 on this New England team, and I'm I'm looking at a at a 31-27 in that range, classic kind of game with with the Pats finding a way. And so, if if the Pats do win. So, like, we always seem to just immediately people aren't going to be talking about the game as much. They're going to be talking about if the Pats win, it's is Brady the best quarterback ever? Is Belichick the best coach ever? Right. Where do you put Brady if he if he wins? Where does he become? Does he become? I mean, I don't know where you put him now. I mean, it's tough for me to say because I grew up, I grew up a Redskins fan um, at right after when they won all the Super Bowls. So I've seen the quarterbacks mm -hmm. I've seen are like Tony Banks. Brad Johnson was probably the best Redskins quarterback I've seen besides now Kirk Cousins. Um, so Brady's been the best quarterback of my lifetime. Um, maybe, you know, some people say Favre or Manning, but Brady's been the best. I don't know, where, where would you slot Brady within, I guess, Montana, Unitas, 
I mean, really, I don't know even who else you compare him to at this point. Yeah, I would slot him one. Yeah. No matter what happens in this game, he he's still he's still one to me, and it's based on a on a number of factors. The wins, uh, we know that he's done it over the long haul. He's done it with a different cast of characters. He's made players better. He's made pedestrian players better. And his communication skills, his level of excellence, which permeates throughout the franchise, I would put him one. And I don't think this game determines one or two or three I would slot him in at one. Uh, obviously, I've had a chance to meet with him many, many times. He's impressive in person. He knows his business. Uh, he he gets it from all angles. He made a statement a couple of years ago about playing until he's 45 years old, and everybody laughed, including right. me. Right. And I think the guy might do it. And if he does, I, I, avocado ice cream becomes like the biggest <laughs> dessert in the world because I mean it's, that, funny. it's incredible. It, this year, uh, the the Patriots PR staff uh, they're very nice in that uh, when we go in for our meetings in the morning, they'll provide us with some kind of food, some kind of nourishment. And uh, one of the the trips this year, they had Dunkin' Donuts. And look, <laughs> That's, I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not local I'm not flavor. To say I enjoy a nice donut, and that's that's part of the American. American culture. Yeah. So uh, we we get into the meeting room. They have the donuts laid out. I uh, participate. I only had one. I'm not a guy that's going to go for multiple donuts, but I had <laughs> one. And then Tom comes in, and I actually had a Pepsi as well, wow. which yeah, I'm trying to cut down on sodas. But it's morning, I don't drink coffee. I thought, all right, it's going to give me a, a little bit of a boost. It's mental. Mm. And Tom walks in, and I still have the lightweight paper from the donut with a little bit, just a little bit of icing on it and a half bottle of Pepsi. And he looks over and I realize in the moment, like, oh, this is like the worst possible thing. This is the worst possible optic that I can show Tom Brady. And he says, uh, do you like that donut? Oh, Lord. I go, yeah, yeah. I I actually enjoyed it. He said, you know what? I got a place actually not far from here that serves much healthier donuts than that. And he, oh, he threw out the name. I think I blacked out in the moment. I, I just, it was a sugar rush. That's good. And, and I realized that this is a man that would not ever even consider ingesting yeah. a Dunkin' Donut or a, a sugary soft drink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave this. Uh, mm-hmm. Ian, thank you really much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. And... Good luck continuing on with the Nets. And I imagine you doing. Are you doing NCAA basketball this year in terms of uh, you know March Madness? Yeah, yeah, I'll be back. Uh, it'll be my nineteenth year doing the NCAA tournament. It might be my twentieth. I gotta, I gotta use my fingers and count this out. I started in '98, so if we do the numbers, I think that might be twenty mm-hmm. tournaments. And uh, I think back to to that first year where I had no idea what I was walking into. And now, in the modern age of technology and all this information available to you, that night when you get the phone call about where you're going, that site that you're that you're going to be working out of is one of the most challenging nights that any broadcaster could ever face when you've got eight teams and it's Russian roulette. You have no idea where you're going, and you just... You start from scratch with with a bunch of these teams. So, no matter how many years you've done it, there's still that mystery that surrounds it. I'm a guy that likes to prepare ahead of time. Uh, I'll prepare for NBA games ten days, fourteen days ahead of time. At least get something on paper for the opponent that the Nets are playing. And then, as the days grow closer to the game, I'll I'll start to to streamline and and make it a little bit more current and come up with nuggets and notes that that are uh, pertaining to the game that we're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with the NCAA tournament because you just have no clue. And it's exciting. Every no. year it is exciting, but but it truly is a big challenge. Where, where were you last year again? You were in at Michigan State. There was a middle Tennessee. Uh, no. I was in Providence. The big game that we had, the big storyline was Yale upsetting Baylor. Oh, wow. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was, that, yeah. uh, that was one of the better better moments that I've had in in 19 years of doing this, probably the best moment I had 
just from a, a sheer storyline, was West Virginia against Wake Forest and Chris Paul's last year for Wake. And it was Kevin Pitsnoggle oh, yes. and Mike Ganzi leading the way for John Beeline's team. They beat him in the second round. They advanced to the Sweet 16. That was a really good Wake Forest team that easily could have gone to the Final Four. Uh, the late Skip Prosser was the head coach. It was a major upset. They were a two-seed. They were a heavy favorite. It was in Cleveland. It went to double overtime. And then Gansey and Pitsnoggle just went off, and, and they knocked off the Demon Deacons. That was that was a tremendous moment. Yeah. Well, And I, my dad went to West Virginia. Actually, he works in Maryland, and that's where Prosser was at one point. So uh, yep. I remember, I mean, that was like uh, – Pitsnoggle was the sort of the perfect West Virginia player, not to stereotype. But, I mean, he, like, he looked like he came – to school sort of like made for <laughs> made to be a mountaineer if you kind of get what i was saying yeah. he, like had yeah. a perfect look for it yeah he had the facial hair oh, yeah. he had the the haircut that that went along with it and a nice he little had a game. cup of coffee uh, in professional ranks but ultimately uh, his game was not suited for him. he was more like a european big man in many ways mm. uh, just because he brought the range and and had no real interior presence, but for whatever reason, that particular team, that particular year, uh, that was that was a fun story. That's one that stands out. I also had Texas against USC when Kevin Durant was there and couldn't get out of the second round. And you think back on it now, how dominant a player he is, and he was a dominant player as as a one year wonder at at Texas for the Longhorns, but. That was that was a big upset. Uh, they had no right losing that game. Nick Young led that Trojan team, and Taj Gibson was also on that squad. So you had a couple of pros there, uh, and they got it done uh, against uh, a pretty stacked Texas team. All right. Well, uh, we'll catch you on Yes. We'll catch you on CBS and on the in, in Indonesia yeah. when we're there listening to <laughs> on, on our vacation international yeah. feed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for joining us. And, and if you need me at any point on the road, just just call the team hotel and, and ask for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ian. All right, guys. See ya. Take care, everybody. Bye. It's the news. All right, go, go. All right, so there's there's two big stories around the league right now, and one is this ongoing Carmelo saga, sort of where we're at. I mean, we talked about this before, but it Carmelo is addressed. He was asked by reporters, essentially, what's going on. His name's been linked to the Clippers, the Celtics, um, Cleveland, and I think that's basically the list. Mm-hmm. A little bit of like maybe like some dark horse team that's out there that could just decide to swoop in at the last moment. Um, a, a couple of things that I find really interesting is that, one, uh, it's hilarious that the Clippers are saying – we're not going to give you DeAndre Blake or Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. So you can get a 35-year-old Jamal Crawford on a terrible contract. Uh, Austin Rivers, who, you know, if the Nets got Austin Rivers, I'd be happy yeah, about thrilled. it. But you're talking about Carmelo Anthony. Sure. Um, so that's hilarious. And then you have the Cavs, which, um, and, you know, they're not going to give up Kevin Love. It doesn't make any sense for them. No. And then if you're not going to give up Kevin Love, you have nothing. You mm-hmm. have, like. You have Kay Felder. Send, send them Iman Schumper back. Um, and the team that the only team that it works for is Boston, but Boston seems to be Boston's playing a very interesting tactic, which I think there's a possible. So in my thinking, I think there's a possibility that Carmelo goes to Boston, but what they're doing is smart by saying like we don't want him. Yeah, and there's a chance Boston could get Carmelo Anthony for like like their that Greek. The Greek Draymond Green that they drafted last year, uh, you know, some scrub on their team like Amir Johnson right now, and then an, another first round pick in the future that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're doing a really interesting thing. What I find kind of crazy is that um, this is Phil's fault, right? Yeah. Um, Carmelo, Carmelo could be a better player and be more aligned with what the team is doing, but. Phil Phil is doing this, and if you're going to evaluate Phil's tenure with the Knicks, the only thing that is holding him back from basically being Billy King is Porzingis, is yeah. that he has this guy who's like super athletic and fun to watch, right? And just a freak. If Marshawn Brooks turned out different, this would be a 
a whole other story. Do you see? I was watching Kobe Bryant two point I, I was watching uh, clips of Marshawn Brooks on a team with Greg Oden in China, and, and was like, hell yes. They bring them over to the Nets right now. I mean, <laughs> no. th- they could be useful. Right? They both drop like fifty. Wait, Greg Oden's playing. <laughs> this These is days? maybe from like twenty fifteen. I think. Oh, okay. So I don't know if he's still if he's still in. Uh, well, the, the whole China basketball scene is incredible. And then I, which led me to a very long documentary about Stefan Marbury's fascination with China, which is amazing. It's the best. He he like speaks Chinese effectively enough to like you know have a conversation with people. It's crazy. And he's just like, yeah, it's like you never know where your real culture is going to be. Wow. And then <laughs> he, like, he like wants to live there forever. He loves he loves China. And it's incredible because of like that the. Uh, one of the oddest NBA careers for being a really good player. Just totally odd. It never made sense. Yeah. Never fit in. And then he goes to China. He's had this like incredible second life that just seems... Yeah. Is there a statue, is a statue to him <laughs> yeah, somewhere? a bronze statue of Stefan Marbury in like, Shanghai or something. Yeah. Um, ultimately, what I think, and I, I don't know if you've put thought onto Carmelo. No, not really. Yeah. Ultimately, what I think is it's going to be the Clippers... Phil is just going to want to decide. So I think last night's game was a true indication of what Carmelo Carmelo said he was tired, but he didn't play the entire fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He was horrible. He doesn't fit with what basketball in terms of what you if you have Chris Epps Porzingis, you really don't need a guy like Carmelo Anthony unless if he's doing a bunch of stuff. He was basically floating around the three-point line, not doing anything. Um He's got to get off that team. He's got to get off the Knicks at this point. And it doesn't make any sense for them to do that, but... I was listening to Jeff Van Gundy talk about how he thinks Carmelo has actually reached a point where he's underrated. And I was like, how could you have gotten that so exactly opposite of what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's true? He's maybe for the first time being rated properly as nobody really wants him that much. Who needs a guy who's a volume shooter shooting like 42% chucking that much shit? Sorry, stuff. Damn it. We're gonna have to yeah, that's that. fine. I mean, she is just she. Uh, I'm watching a commercial about bras, so that slips in my mind. Um, <coughs> sorry, uh, he is. Uh, it's so weird to say because you look at that stat line. They put it up last night in the Yes broadcast. It's like 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists. You that you think? Oh, that's great. Um, I was reading some Kevin Pelton stats about Carmelo. Is that when he's an open three point shooter, which is pretty rare, his three point percentage is like. 48 percent something crazy great mm-hmm. um which shows that he if he did in fact get to a really good team like the clippers or Cavs, that he could be a really good player we've seen olympic carmelo people remember how we like there was like a love affair with carmelo just six months ago <clears throat> yeah when uh it looked like hillary clinton was gonna win the white house how mm-hmm. long ago that was um but the he just doesn't Kevin Love isn't as good as Carmelo Anthony, but he he at least Kevin Love has some semblance of wanting to be near the basket and wanting to rebound and wanting to play some defense. Where Carmelo has no attraction to that part of basketball, and he doesn't make sense for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, if they're, I mean, if the two offers are like, I mean, the Cavaliers are looking at at Clippers about to offer them Austin Rivers, like why would we ever give up? Kevin Love to be to, the the bidding is so low here they may very well take my K Fielder deal. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean like why 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 be the person that gives like a really great asset when there's literally nobody else willing to do that? And what's incredible is that Carmelo has that trade kicker in his contract. It's like nine percent extra mm-hmm. in salary. He's yeah. already making the max of when he signed it. Um, I don't know. I if I had to bet on deadline, I would bet that Carmelo gets traded just because. It's it's it seems to have gotten to the point where he doesn't really want to be a part of. Well, he wants to be a part of the Knicks, but he doesn't want to be a part of Phil Jackson. He Knicks. wants to play in New York forever. He'll be in New York forever. So Don't he'll be a net. It. Don't worry about it. Um, but hey, did you see um, your boy uh, Roy Hibbert got traded today? Yeah, yeah. What a weird trade. Spencer Hawes, three centers, just three random Moore. centers. Poor poor Greg Monroe. What is he? What is he thinking right now? Um, I'm so hungry for trade deadline. I saw that. I got so excited for no reason. At all. Like, I'm just, I'm hungry for this could potentially be a really crazy trade deadline. But the problem is Carmelo has to be moved to the Cavaliers. That's the only way that something crazy gets happened. Cause if he moves to the Cavs, there may be slight pressure on the Warriors to be like, we got to maybe do something else. Um, 
if he moves to Boston, that makes Boston much more interesting. Um, but and if he moves to the Clippers, then the Clippers again put pressure on the Warriors. Um, but it, but it, it's so crazy because like the way everything is working out right now, the guy who's more tradable is Randy Foy than than Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. Randy Foy has more of a shot of being moved on a team and being more desired by multiple teams than Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. And Rand- Randy Foy doesn't even play. Well, he starts for the Nets sometimes, but that's that's nuts. That is still nuts that he starts. Well, that's the first domino to fall. Like, but are you sad that you missed out on Spencer Hawes? I love Spencer. Well, I don't really love Spencer Hawes that much. He's kind of nobody says, loves Spencer. He Hall. says crazy stuff all the time. Yeah, and he's kind of ridiculous. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, this also has to do with the Cavs, is the Barkley Lebron feud. So fantastic. Where do you come down? Who do you support in the Barkley? LeBron feud. Unpack it again for me. I mean, I read it, but I forget. So essentially, Barkley was criticizing really strongly on TNT the fact that LeBron was complaining that he he needs a second ball handler mm-hmm. on the team, that they need another ball handler. And Barkley's main point was like, can't you be satisfied? You've created a super team in Miami. You left that. You went to Cleveland. Cleveland's payroll is the highest it is in the NBA. Dan Gilbert's giving you essentially everything you could possibly want. With running, you're essentially running the organization, or you you have more influence than any player in the league, and now you're complaining that oh you guys don't have a good backup point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and Barkley was going on and on, and but the main thing that Barkley said was that LeBron isn't essentially competitive; that he wants it easy. Um, mm. LeBron then responded saying, uh, "You know, I I." always handled myself with you know i've handled the league and been uh a symbol for the league of like i'm a good guy you know i've done, done nothing bad mm-hmm. i didn't throw anyone through a window i mm. didn't spit on a kid mm. i didn't have debt in vegas mm. this is things he said yeah um and that's get, that get him so then barkley him. said like you know obviously he just googled me or something so barkley you know didn't just kind of brush it off <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> not not always great to to go low, you know, on that situation. Is, is LeBron going low? Uh, yeah. Or is he matching Barkley? He's they're making separate points. This is a, this is Trump's America, so this is what happens. <laughs> when, <laughs> but Barkley is talking about his sort of curatorial nature in in basketball, and 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 goes into that basically that age old conversation that we always have the ideological. What is the right way to win in in professional sports, specifically basketball? And uh, there's like this very very small like right quote unquote right way to win, and that's what Charles is like digging at again. And then he's like, "Well, you're a, a gambling addict, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you care? So, so what do you so what you says what you say doesn't matter." Um, so that's off topic, obviously. But uh, I mean, Barkley is has no idea what it t- like. I mean, look at what he's up against. He's up against really very difficult teams or very good teams, and uh, and so he knows what like the weaknesses of his own team are. He's using the media to be a you know a, a megaphone for his desires. I don't you know he's smart. He's he's you know a, a promoter a. A publicist and as well as like a director of this team it's a, it's a whole thing and it it works it works when he does this he he's gets, done this before with it, with guys who are yeah. a part of rich paul's agency that he's a part of the tristan thompson jr smith he's gotten them contracts because he's put pressure on ownership yes. to hand out those contracts yeah. i do i think you're 100 percent right that uh, lebron is talking about something that's not connected mm-hmm. to actually what charles barkley is saying <laughs> no. i mean what charles's attack is 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 um personal it is personal in the sense that basically saying lebron is entitled and wants things his way and is like a crybaby mm. essentially um but then lebron's response is yeah. just so like just yeah. a- out of out of this like you it's know tr- like, it's trumpian it's really it's a yeah. trumpian response if he had just said look charles doesn't have the same kind of vision that i have i you know i see i've won more champion like if he said i just i you know Oh, by the way, that's the best part of this whole thing was that the initial conversation um, between Barkley is Barkley and Shaq. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shaq said, 
Shaq was really defending LeBron strongly mm-hmm. and said to Charles, you don't understand because you don't have rings. Yeah, of course. Beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly where you go. Barkley just must get it must get thrown in his face all the time. He doesn't have the vision. He didn't he didn't see the long play of like, you know, everyone tells these guys, hey, it's a business. You get traded, yada, yada. And he's like, OK, it's a business. So I'm going to use that to my advantage as well. You know, on the other side and and uh, and try to get a good team and not have to like bang my head against the wall because at the end of the day people are still gonna just do exactly what Shaq did and be like hey I have a ring nana nana poo poo like go nothing you can do about it loser and, and that's what it is that's what all it comes down to and it's and that's also Trumpian but you know that's what it, that's what it comes down to beautiful um that's I'll, news around the league that's news around the league um so you want to do a read we'll probably do a read um let me load it up here real quick sure god damn it. Um, we should do the news after the uh, interview. Okay. I'll just I'll do this read. I'll do this read uh, before. Yeah. Right. Right. Be like, okay, here's a little thing, and then send a dying. So email. let's let's close the show. Okay. And then we'll record the good. So that's the show. Um, Brian, thank you for being here. Mike, that was great. What a great conversation we had. <laughs> It was nice. Um, I love a good conversation. We'll be back shortly. We may actually have another. Uh, did you think? Po- wait, hang on. Did you think it was not a good conversation? Our conversation. Our conversations are always sparkling. No, not our conversation. Never oh, mind, Mike. Yeah, forget it. Not done. Um, I can, you know, I can never close the show. We may have a podcast early next week with another special guest. Yeah, that is also in the works from a totally different field. Um, or, something a bit a really cool field. Yeah, I guess. Field of rock and roll, Mike. Ooh. Hey, teaser. Um, So you look for that on Nets Daily. Obviously, download this, listen to this on NetsDaily.com, and then look for that early next week, Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday morning, you'll see it. Uh, another interview that we'll be doing about the Nets. So uh, I toast to the Nets, and, you know, may they... A toast to may the, the Nets? May the winds be flowing oh, man. as soon as the snow is falling. <laughs> Um, okay, <laughs> thanks everybody. Have a good night or Bye. a good day or a good Friday.